realise I got he I'm on internet connection. Uh, uh. <laughs> no, no, no more of that because this is our very first real life pod since February eighth, twenty twenty. February the eighth. I think it's the eighth. Yeah, this is exciting. Everyone sounds really excited about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> We've made it. We've made it, guys. Everyone survived. We're all here. It's weird to see you all in real life. Mm, in one room. Oh, yeah, it's strange. Can you we go back, we go back to Zoom? <laughs> um, so we're, we're at Louis doing, yeah, we doing this recording. And we, Louis, me and Benas are using slightly different mics to what we usually use. So we might sound a little different, whereas Sparrow might sound... Like Barry White. The, the, old, the old school pod. <laughs> oh, when it used, when it used to sound really good. <laughs> no, we're try, trying out some new mics. Also, there is a train that might pass at some point, So, but we're just going to sell this that we're doing this pod on, on the Thames link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. On a circle line. Yeah. It, I think it's going to be pretty loud when it comes past. <laughs> you'll hear it. We'll you'll, hear, you'll it. hear it. But then again, it is like 36 degrees. Too hot. It's yeah, too hot. I'm, sw- I'm literally baking here. Yeah, I think we're all cooking. Oh, oh, here it is. <laughs> it would actually be quite funny to record a pod on a tube. It would just be so loud. <laughs> like you'd have guest speakers, like a, yeah, a yeah, drunk yeah. guy just yeah, coming yeah, in. Yeah. yeah, what are you guys doing? Exactly. They have a baby crying or something. So we've heard a few voices. We've heard mine. We heard Sparrows. <laughs> yeah. we've Hi, heard Sparrow. Louis. Uh, Hi, guys. And Benas. Yeah, yeah. And Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> Start us off. They're all here. How's everyone? How's everyone's temperature levels? Because mine have gone up considerably in the last Three few degrees. minutes. Yeah, no, uh, this few degrees from being a uh, sweatshop. Yeah. Is it weird doing a real life pod? I, it is kind I, of I weird. Can't, I can't quite get... I can't believe to, we used to do this. I'm not used to like <laughs> looking at more than one of you. <laughs> yeah, usually like it's a Skype session type thing. So, I'm, I'm not used to using my neck muscles Yeah, yeah. on a like podcast. I can't quite handle Sparrow not sounding like he's on from the call centre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that mic that I... I've gone from having the worst mic to the best, best mic. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I've got to make up for it. Yeah, we, that's not sure. We haven't mixed this yet, so I have no idea. It's also nice to see Sparrow back on the podcast. I feel like he missed quite a few. Missed a couple. Yeah, two or three. Yeah, so, yeah. What was that about, man? I mean, I've been skiving. Yeah, what the hell was that about? You started, you never forget <laughs> your second. Said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good to have the awesome foursome back. I think that's the yeah, name. That's yeah. Our, that's that's <laughs> our, that's <laughs> our <laughs> awesome. <laughs> just foursome. This is just strange. I don't know. I don't it's know. Good. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to start this. Dom's forgotten how to socialize. I've forgotten how, how to start a conversation. I think to reiterate, though, like when people are listening, it's it's unbelievably hot and it's going to be like hot for the next few days, I think. Yeah. No, well, this like, is, this out, is out the, of all episodes, this is A, the hottest and probably the most noisiest in the background. Yeah. You will hear the chink of ice cubes. But that's well, also that's a bit of real life, you know. It's like the, the fans have been missing the real street, life element. Street podcasting. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, street podding. Street pod. Um, so what has everyone been watching? <laughs> <laughs> that's the next segment. I just can't anyone, go over seeing everyone's face. Has anyone been watching due to the heat? Because I find myself find it hard to <laughs> dying of sweat, <laughs> dying of sweat while watching <laughs> watching some experimental indie film. Yeah. I don't have the patience for this. I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, this this is actually going to be very unhelpful for a film podcast. But I've actually been watching a lot of sport. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. Just because there's because who directed I, that? You know Fight Club. <laughs> you know Fight Club isn't a sport. Uh, <laughs> Is that your other podcast that you keep dipping into? Yeah, I was going to say, you made a rival pod. Yeah, well, funny yeah. enough, the one thing I haven't, that isn't on is, uh, is the rugby, but because over, um, obviously over lockdown, like all sports stopped, Yeah. Um, it is it is a bit like I'm watching more than, for example, like I'd never ever watched the F1, mm. but, I, but I watched yeah. it um, now last you're weekend. Into it. Yeah, now I love it, yeah. So, Fair um, enough. 
But no, right, I mean, there, are, there are a lot of films, I guess, you could watch around the... Uh, yeah, yeah like Rush. I have, I, had, I have, yeah, but there's that. Yeah, I have actually watched one good film recently, which was a kind of sport, like a surfing, skiing documentary. It's called Magnetic on Netflix. Oh, okay. Anyone seen it? So nice. basically, it's it's a documentary movie, mm. and it just follows people doing these, like, kind of crazy sports. So, like, they might be, like, a really good skier or yeah. a great surfer, or, like, people just doing adventurous activities and Adrenaline stuff. Adrenaline junkie. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Any, nice. any movies? Yeah, that is a movie. Oh, okay. Well, but it's like <laughs> narrative driven. Yeah, yeah. technically yeah. it is a movie. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. It's 60 Netflix, is, Netflix has stepped up their game recently. I guess we I, can't I, do I a did. whole episode without mentioning yeah. that. <laughs> this is going to de- derail into like the cinemas. Have cinemas? Died I feel like they, I feel like they've been chucking stuff out because because they yeah. need to you know meet the demand. Mm. Of lockdown. I, I don't know if it's meet the demand. I think it's. Uh, I think it's because our distributors have nowhere to go. Yeah. So they just find themselves in the spot like everyone coming to them. Yeah. They're the most mm. lucrative, like either that or Amazon. Like no one's going to like I don't know Quib- Quibi or whatever the f- yeah, yeah. You know. Netflix would have the same problem as everyone else, as in making content over the COVID. Like yeah, they yeah still but ac- get the- acquisition still exists. So they just uh, I'll just buy the show. Right. Just buy the yeah. thing, and okay. then and then you right. say there's a there's a finite amount of there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. but there is a finite amount of content out there. Yeah, uh, we are going to hit this kind of this moment where it all just dries out. Stuff is still being stuff is being made now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff's it's, being it's, shot. It's short, yeah. slower. So a friend of mine exactly. uh, just wrapped a shoot, and she just <laughs> she said that she had to spend two weeks in quarantine with the cast and crew, and uh, yeah. they just finished ra- uh, wrapping on the picture. So. Someone somewhere nice. needs to create that graphic of how quickly things are consumed and how quickly things are made. So it's like a race. Do you know what I mean? You always need to have new things out that, that yeah. you haven't yet come to. Oh, do you, yeah. What do you yeah. think is going to be like a gap where there's well, just there could be no like a saturation point for like for like two months? It's just dry. <laughs> where yeah. there's like one new show a month. Yeah. Everyone can everyone doubt can check that. out. The thing is, uh, the reason why I doubt that is because. Um, oh, I wasn't being serious. And then what was I? <laughs> <laughs> But go on, tell us your point. But my point is there's, there's about 8,000 scripts being submitted every year. Like yeah, how many are being made? WJ. Though? Yeah. Uh, yeah. About 600. Okay. Yeah. How many are on Netflix? Uh, about seven. How many, <laughs> how many are being written right now? Uh, most of them are probably filming right now. Um, Louis, what have you been watching? I feel like you holding your mic like you're about to give us a rendition yeah, of... Yeah, I'm gaga oh, right yeah. now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, bitten into the for, mic. For those who can't see, I've just, I, I invested in some very cheap tripods that basically mean you have to be a hunchback to, to go into them, so I'm holding it. Um, mm. I've been getting into an Amazon Prime TV show, sorry guys, again, called This Is Us. Right, I'm just going to mute Louis. And there's been... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, three of us left. Um, is that the one where everyone cries? Uh, you might need to narrow it down. Is this a series we I mean, I mean, that is a shockingly accurate um, summary. I, I think... I, is it, yeah. This is us, brackets, crying. <laughs> it's, it's four seasons in. I've, I, I didn't, I've never heard of it before. Someone recommended it to me a couple of weeks ago, so I started watching a few episodes. It's kind of like a feel-good thing, but it's not just a casual sitcom. It's kind of, you know, hour-long episodes, and it's about a family over a few different generations. You follow the kid, well, the, the adults, the, the adults who at one point were kids, so you then see them as kids with their parents, and then you sort of see their parents. Um, What's the and, hook? Well, exactly, Sorry. exactly. So this Crying? is exactly the point I come to, and I say it, I say I like it that. every time I watch an episode, which is okay. That was that was quite nice and really Why am good I to watch. This? But like, what's the yeah? Like, where is this going? And it feels like really, it's just you follow people through so, their lives. Oh, so it's just more, much more like a almost like a voyeuristic fly on the wall type thing. Yeah, mm. I mean, there are certain little elements of micro drama. So okay. like, they're the, the kids you follow are triplets, but one of them's adopted. 
right because he was born on the same day in the hosp- same hospital and then got so and you there's sort of like little dramas that are involved what? sorry what <laughs> go back to that <laughs> circle that, back wait, to that please I don't want to give it away but basically he got mixed up mixed up at the hospital the first episode what hospital is that in the pilot what happens is you see that like their mum had triplets but one of the babies died in labour and so only two of them survived uh but then they find out that <laughs> at the same time... We're on the front carriage of the train here. <laughs> <laughs> so on the same day, a baby had been abandoned and left at the fire station and brought That's to the hospital. Extreme. So they were like, well, we came in thinking we'd have three kids. So we'll go home with three kids. We'll adopt that that third kid. Right, yeah, yeah. Very um, convenient. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's nice and it's definitely a kind of feel-good watch. And it is kind of well-made. It's just, yeah, you're right. It doesn't sort of go anywhere. Yeah, but, but that's quite nice in yeah, a way sometimes. I've, I've yeah, heard yeah. that it keeps like winning awards and stuff, so mm. it's it's definitely a a, a a good show. Yeah, so I'm not trying to shit on it, but I'm just no, like, no. trying to understand the hook. If there is a hook, Abby told I've not seen it, but Abby told me it sort of reminds her of Normal People, which was obviously oh, yeah. a big thing over here, which is a similar thing in that there's no real nothing really happens. You're just it's following just an a relationship. narrative, is it? Yeah, yeah. you're just following yeah, yeah, something yeah. quite. Normal. That was a great series. I suppose it, it wouldn't seem that weird a long time ago, but now I guess you think every show has a has a, a hook, something that drives. Is it whether mm. it's like every time you say hook, I think of hook from yeah, yeah. From yeah. that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Every, yeah. every, every show has a captain hook, he's in the background, like, <laughs> well, because there's so much content out there, and people's attention span is like 30 minutes, got given. Um, yeah. so unless there is a hook, there's very little uh, to differentiate. Yeah, like people's but, attention yeah, span is three hours thirty because that's what the Irishman was on Netflix. <laughs> oh god! I'm sorry, who watched it all the way through uh, in one sitting? Tell you what, speaking of long stand, long long watches, I have just finished watching On Her Majesty's Secret Service. So I'm still doing the Bond marathon. Bloody hell! Slow. Talk about long watches. Yeah, watch that. Which was a really. Didn't you start that last year? Yeah, it's taking. I mean, there are a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I'm not watching them every How weekend. How many are there? Thirty. Uh, 25 I think there's over 24 yeah it's quite, it's quite a lot so yeah I watched Magic Secret Service it's supposedly Nolan's favourite Bond which is weird why is that like, relevant it's, it's, no, it's weird this is why I'm bringing that, it up that doesn't make any sense it's, it's, like, no, it's, it's, it's Nolan's no, favourite Bond because in, in Inception there's the uh, there's the skiing chase scene which is meant to be like a homage to, to oh, the, oh, is that the where chase he, scene of it Dives off a slope and then the does, does the um, parachute. No, that is that's, that's Roger Moore. Moore. Yeah, it's a weird Bond. It's notoriously like the worst Bond. That's well, why it's well, odd that Nolan loves it. Yeah, it's just strange because he like George Lazenby. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sean Connery didn't come back to the role, and then they just found this kind of like male model guy. Who was oh yeah, he turned up with like an, a with a Rolex and like yeah. basically uh, many. And I don't think he cared about he didn't care about getting it as well. Yeah, yeah. And right? they were like, which, which actually helped. That's how. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the thing. It made him come really like suave. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a weird line at the start of it where he he gets in a fight just before the title credit like iconic bong title credits he gets in this fight and then these guys drive off and he basically take they take like this woman that he's trying to fight them for mm. to get and uh and he he kind of looks at the camera there's no one else around him in the scene and he sort of looks at the camera and says this didn't happen to the other guy and Ooh. then it cuts to like oh is this breaking with the oh, no, Majesty Secret you. Service <laughs> no, but it's in like it's a reference to Sean Connery and it's like it's weird it's a weird fourth wall break yeah. in a Bond film yeah that is yeah. weird I wonder anyway, I wonder if that was an outtake they were like no this makes sense Put it's it got in. a really good like emotional story to it with his wife getting married and then obviously getting killed at the end like it's the only Bond I can Whoa. think other than that's Casino, probably why Casino no, Royale yeah that's Whoa. probably why it's Nolan's Whoa. biggest you not seen it? no 
Oh, no. Well, I feel well, like I have now. <laughs> <laughs> well, supposedly I've ruined the worst bond, according to Sparrow. Um, but yeah, it's the one, it sticks out, because also it has that song in it, you know. Yeah, um, or the Louis, um, the Louis all, the, all, all the Time in the World. All the Time in the World. Yeah. I'm now about on Diamonds of Forever, where Sean Connery came back to Bond after not doing it for a film, which I never knew about. I thought he did a long run and then just stopped. Yeah, right, right, I right. But I knew right. about the never, never say never. Say never again. I didn't know he came back for Diamonds of Forever after the I other. I wonder what he did George in Rosenby. between. He's in Marnie, which is Hitchcock. Um, yeah, he did. He did do one or two films. And, um, I mean, obviously, the, he did Untouchables. What's the other one? Bond, the, there's, one yeah, yeah. there's one with Michael Caine, um, the man who would be king. Right. Okay. Um, so he, he done the man who would be Caine. King, yeah. So he's, he's done. He did a few. He did, Sean Connery did do a few things that like outside of Bond. Like, did dra- out, didn't he do that Dragon? Aragorn, dragon drag, heart. Dragon yeah, heart. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> dragon the heart. best, the best dragon. F- um, the first night. Threat. He did the first night. Sean Connery. He was he was King Arthur. He in, was with um. Oh, and Robin Hood. No, no. It was it was it's called the first night. And Hunt for Red October. Ah, oh, that's uh, a good film. Yeah. He did that. Yeah. Well, well, actually, it sounds like a massive career. Like <laughs> early what early and he didn't even win an Oscar for Untouchables. Pretty sure he. Yeah, you want to get the poll? What to do? Send one to Hollywood. You send one to Hollywood. The mark. That's the Chicago way. Um. Anyway, yeah. Benas, what have you been watching? I fear that you're going to come oh, out with God. a list that's like. No, no, no. I go for a lot of that. Um. None of that business right now. It's too hot to mention. Uh, I'm literally. I feel like we're all slowly dying on this. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. We're really struggling. <laughs> Some, survivors I'm on the everyone. Would... Benes, it might be quicker for you to list the things you haven't watched. Okay, <laughs> so everything mentioned. No, I only watched a few films. One of them was a horror film called Martyrs, um, which was a French film. But that one was brutal as fuck. Like I've I've seen a lot of horror films, but that one. Is... Oof. Jokes. Oof. How many? Uh, Can you list them? Three. <laughs> <laughs> million um, scary yeah. movie doesn't count as a <laughs> whoa scary movie too doesn't okay. count um, but the, the yeah Martyrs was it was hard to watch at points um, because the violence that it kind of gets to it's very real right and um, yeah and it's like you think it's almost done with the violence like no is there a recent film mm, 2008 so not really so Martyrs implies it's got a kind of national nationalistic element to it or is it just you're trying to is de- just a yeah. deconstruct a film you haven't seen. This, yeah. is, a, this is a new... Yeah. Interesting. Is, it, is, it, is it a metaphor for World War Two? <laughs> By any chance. Kind of. Um, yeah, no. So, yeah, that, one's was, that one was very extremely um, violent, but not in, even in a good way because like yeah it kind of turns you off by the end of it but also if you're trying to watch that on Amazon Prime which I did and at the first instance what was nice is that it had the, the worst English dubs that fit fit nothing oh, I was going to mention this actually with Dark the, the when you start watching it, if you don't change any settings the default setting is for it to be dubbed yeah. in oh we're in the train again hey. uh, dubbed <laughs> in English but the dubbing is really good on Dark like right, if yeah. it really tried to hire people that sound like the actors they're dubbing not yeah. for this one if you watch a really gory film on Amazon do you get a kind of you might also like thing for the next few days you might also like these handcuffs is that what happened with Alien are you going to go on you're going to go on it's going to be like you might like Alien Resurrection yeah. um, so besides that I've only kind of watched the David Fincher stuff or the things he's kind of been involved with which nice. is like um, he sounds like a good guy yeah he's that um, I've got no idea small like, indie director love, love Death and Robots which was oh, yeah. a really good series well, you haven't, have you not Tim seen Miller. it I uh, watched a few episodes, but right. I watched the whole thing. The, ep- the episode called The Witness, where he witnesses her being killed. That's my yeah, favorite yeah. episode of, like, it's almost my favorite thing on Netflix. It's so good. What I liked is how it breaks down the, the format of TV. It's, not, it's no longer just, like, uh, your mm. 30 minutes or your 
hour. It's it can be like five, eight minutes, or fifteen if it wants, or it can be three. No, I'm with you. That's it. and they're all they're all just they're all standalone. It's it's a really yeah, good series. Yeah, yeah. I've heard uh, they're coming back for season two, but God knows how. That'd be awesome. Seven. Yeah, is that going to happen? Then I watched seven and Alien 3D Assembly Cut, which um, yeah, this is going to be interesting to. Hear. So th- this might be a good uh, this might be a good segue. I into, think so. You, you take us on that segue. into the film of the week, which is Alien Three, which was came out in 1992, directed Alien by cubed. <laughs> Alien Cubed, yeah, directed by none other than the Finch himself, Loki Sparrow's favorite director, with the law of averages applied. Um, yeah, when you say the Finch and you say that reminded me of, was American Pie again oh, the Finch. <laughs> Finch's mother <laughs> same Finch from American Pie directed as well oh so. that's such a good eye word uh. <laughs> we're, we're gonna have to cut this out if you're still hearing this I've kept this in um, okay so yeah, yeah. <laughs> gonna cut now let's be honest there's so many background noises I'll probably already have yeah. another um, we so can't yeah. use anything we've done so far. This is another big hit. Fine, we'll start again. I'm literally I'm so hot in here. I, I wish, I wish people... these microphones are waterproof. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're underwater recording this part. Um, okay, so yeah, this is another big... But this is a heavy hitter for us. I think our last... I mean, they've done plenty of big heavy hitters, but Fincher, I think, is, is definitely up there. His first film was Alien 3, which came out in 1992. He was 30 when he directed it. I don't know if anyone knew this. Tagline for it is, after her last encounter, Ellen Ripley crash lands on... Fiorina 161, a maximum security prison, when a series of strange and deadly events occur shortly after her arrival, Ripley realises that she has brought along an unwelcome visitor. Is that a tagline? I mean, it's a it's a lot of it's a lot <laughs> it's of taglines. Tag yeah. Who knows what the unwelcome visitor is? It could just have been, you know Coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely. <laughs> and and I say I, I sort of joke about that, but it was also kind of relevant, the um the the coronavirus aspect because mm. you, Wait, you see is this a- your no, no, no! It's genuinely not. Like you see, you see, you see a film now, and it's all about bringing a contagion to a to a planet. You know, right? Okay, yeah, and yeah, genuinely, yeah, yeah. That's the first place my head goes, and it's yeah. just an example of. That's so interesting. That? I didn't think that at all. No, not at all. Especially because no. at the beginning they talk about a virus. You know, she sort of she says she's very I'm a bit worried that the dead body is has cholera. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, what if there's a virus that's going to spread around? And, yeah. You know, yeah. So what, what are you saying? saying that the people that are on to on the way to Mars right now might be spreading? <laughs> well, genuinely, yeah, yeah, like space viruses. Yeah, yeah. Um, Are there people on their way to Mars right now? No. I mean, there might be. <laughs> Don't I miss know. a news story. <laughs> <laughs> it was strange to say no to that question. Yeah. I was like, uh, uh, is there? Do you know? Um, oh, oh, here we, we go. go. <laughs> this is going to become a drink every time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Alien 3, Alien Cubed. Alien this is, I think this is a really interesting debut because it's he's such an iconic director and his first film was the third film in this fairly commercial franchise i guess it's it's probably his least remembered film which is interesting because we've obviously had a couple of other directors where their first films have been so iconic a bit like with nail i have a question to you the 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 experts in film um which is is it is it normal for therefore you should ask yourself (laughs) (laughs) is it normal for a first-time director to be given the opportunity to do their debut as the third in a series or as you know, because within a franchise, because I because it seems to me a bit odd that if you had this multi multi million pound franchise, give you wouldn't the, just go for rookie, a banker. Yeah, yeah you, you just just go for a kind of a director you know can do the job. I hadn't thought about that. I can't think of another example like no, this. No. But 
It's a good point. I think what that more points to is the troubled production schedule that this film supposedly had and how right. he was brought in five weeks before they started shooting. As Ben has said, I think without a script as well, or yeah. a partially finished script. We'll get into that so, one. But yeah. One of the Toy Stories is a debut. But Both of them, but, I think. And yeah, well, yeah so two. Two, two might be as well, I think. But I guess... That I can't remember his name, but that John guy, Lasseter. yeah, but he was really involved from from the beginning yeah, in yeah, the franchise. Yeah. So yeah, it's like Pixar was kind of started through it. Yeah, whereas this just feels a bit random that they chose a rookie to. Yeah, I, I, oh, I, I, sorry, uh, and <laughs> did, you, did you just wake up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was. <laughs> sorry, sorry, the heat made me pass out. I'm, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> Throughout, throughout the podcast, people will be passing out. So, so um, Sparrow's been out for ten minutes. Uh, sorry, so Sparrow, just up. say that bit again about saying a rookie. They chose a rookie <laughs> because you were asleep. <laughs> the one that was too <laughs> you just missed the last five minutes. Uh, like a, you had like a heat blackout. Um, all right, so no, my point is that it seems it seems odd if you've got this multi-million-pound franchise, big franchise, that you would. Um, that you would give the third in the series to a rookie rather than just a, someone you know can do the job because it's a bit of a banker of a of a film. It's worth saying when if you if you if you're thinking he's a rookie because he hadn't done a film before, he was quite an ex- a seasoned mis- director. He was quite a seasoned director before. Yeah. yeah, but he was he was he was untested as a film director. True. Mm. Okay, so that was fine, but um, this man's got an argument for it though. <laughs> I got an argument, boy. <laughs> um, um, basically, um, Watching the documentary called, I think it was called "The Making of Alien 3. Okay, um, what's that about? Imagine it. Um, it. It's the it's it's about the creation of Pixar. So. <laughs> <laughs> this heat is sending us all delirious. Okay, so someone's so, going to be listening over, to this in like December. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you all going on about? Yeah. yeah. Um, you never experienced the heat wave of 2020. <laughs> you weren't there. So um, yeah, all the cast and crew, uh, including John. Cronenworth, it was right the DP. Yeah, even who was an experienced DP, they all said that uh, Fincher was an. Ex- uh, they, everyone felt that he was an. Ex- <laughs> he was already making movies way before then. Yeah, I think uh, Sigourney ev- Weaver has said everyone that felt he- so safe with him, like yeah. about his direction, about his. Uh, Alex blocking. Thompson, who was director of photography, not Cronenworth. Uh, he- yeah, sure. He took over for Coronaworth after he was uh, taken off for, for having um, Parkinson's right, yeah, two yeah, weeks, yeah. Two yeah, weeks yeah, after yeah. shooting had started. Um, so yeah all the cast and crew felt very safe with him although obviously the production itself troubled so uh, yeah this is my this this is the thing though it's like if you if you want to break into this and you know become a film director usually the stuff that we review on this is um, something that they kind of conceived or they sort of they were Gen- part yeah. of the original package to bring right. to bring to life. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with this, it's like somehow he landed an amazing job that was yeah. guaranteed to give him. Sorry, just doing a shot. It's got to be done, more. No, it's true. I, 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 yeah. I don't really know how you get that if well, you're not a director the, already. That's the thing. Like, uh, it's night- a chance to prove yourself, I guess. Yeah. With, with with a huge, well, you know, which with with what was a huge, or what is, I guess, still a huge franchise. Yeah. yeah. It's mostly credit to him to like convince them to give it to him. I think he was 29 when it started. Jeez, that's depressing. So like that and yeah. um, 38 when it finished <laughs> the 90s had a different approach <laughs> that one, aren't you? the 90s had a different approach Guys, to, I'm to I'm leaving. filmmaking though um, especially for like uh, yeah like even guys like Michael Bay he came with came up with propaganda films as well for a bunch of commercials and back then I mean the biggest commercials um, usually go to like Super Bowl and that's where most people see yeah I mean obviously commercials in the 90s were huge yeah yeah um, yeah. What the hell are we doing in the industry now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what 
Whoa. <laughs> so no, we should. Well, before we get on to Alien, we should chat about Fincher because yeah, he he was uh, he had a kind of he was in the film industry. At least I think he was a, an assistant um, camera on Return of the Jedi and Indie Temple of Doom. So he he was working in like special effects camera on a lots of quite iconic movies, really massively iconic films. He was uh, also a, a matte painter. So in terms yeah. in terms of when it comes to like special effects, right? Uh, I, um, cool. He was yeah, yeah. a matte painter. So they're like yeah, matte so, paintings are like the shots where you do like a wide VFX shot yeah. and you want to kind of have a like different background. And you can you can add in basically a compo- composite and and uh, add small bits of VFX onto it. Yeah, right. I noticed in the first a- first and second Alien they had a, a lot of matte paintings and yeah, they're yeah. huge in Star you, you Wars. Can, yeah, you can tell. Yeah, which one's they, the, when they're done really well, like in Star Wars, you they're virtually in, in yeah, you can't see. They're actually even somewhat, sometimes better. Um, but anyway, this isn't the Matt Paintings podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can be. <Yeah>, can. <laughs> At this stage, it can be. Okay. Um, I'm too hot, I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, he, he, he had a really interesting career. A, a start to his career, I feel, mm. where he worked on a lot of these iconic films and learned a lot of the tricks of the trade. I really like the fact that his, uh, his neighbor, neighbor was George Lucas. Yeah, mm. I read that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think there is a connection to him working on Nepotism? Star Wars? Yes, no, 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 working on Star Wars and then his first film being... Maybe pe- people vouching thing. for him, but yeah, I guess people. What people don't know about Fincher is that he was a huge music video director. Yeah, so he directed. He, he left ILM to do that. Uh, music. So, so that, that, that's the kind of pro- progress he went. So he did the camera assistant stuff, um, the map painting, and then he left ILM to do uh, to set up propaganda films. Propaganda films, yeah. Which uh, eventually which did music like videos. A, yeah. yeah, and they it, it, like huge like Spike Jones was there. All right. Michael Bay. We should, we, should Michael do, Bay. we should do his first music video as well. Then. Well, he did a lot of Madonna's music videos and... Rick Springfield. Yeah, George Michael. Like, a lot uh, of iconic music videos were, were done by Fincher. So that, to some extent, that kind of maybe like answers my first question, which is he's probably very well connected, right? If he if he was doing big music videos for the higher mighty. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, but for example, if anyone's seen, for, for example, Aerosmith's... <laughs> sorry. Aerosmith's uh, Janie's Got a Gun... Uh, music yeah, I video. watch it on repeat every night. <laughs> well done. It, it's, it's very narrative driven. Um, so inter- there is a story going through that. In the nineties, a lot of music videos had stories. Is the that. MTV golden age? Yeah, I think exactly. a, a lot of music videos also somewhere for directors to cut their teeth by just kind of trying out small budget and just go go nuts with it. Um, so oh, Inception. I feel like every time <laughs> every time a train goes by, I feel you think like of Inception. The scene in Inception where uh, in it's the second time I'm mentioning Inception. <laughs> glitch in the Matrix. The randomly a train goes by when they're just uh, starting to do the heist. Oh right. Uh, in yeah, the first, yeah. well, there's a train at a downtown intersection yeah, yeah. when it starts Pretty to rain. Much. Yeah. What's he doing in in? What's you saying? This train's going to come through this flat. <laughs> through this flat. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet, yet, guys. Yeah. I, can, I can promise you. Very tenant-like. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what interesting fact? Propaganda Films at one point was making one third of all music videos in the US wow. oh my huge. god okay well, yeah. you can consider, so, wait consider and Fincher it. set it up yeah along with three other people Jesus okay so he was a pretty big deal then, yeah, right? yeah yeah, yeah no, okay, he, he was he yeah. made yeah he made Madonna's music videos George Michaels Rick Springfield Aerosmith it's interesting so he was kind of successful like say he'd never become a, a movie director he would have already have had like, a, you could yeah. as a successful career the thing is after, definitely after Alien 3 he did leave to go uh, we'll go back onto this but quickly just yeah he did leave uh, the feature films and he went back to music videos and he kind of kept dipping in and out I mean don't know what they're like now but I think they were good money for people to do between what Alien 3 and 7 it's like 3 years that's yeah. a pretty big space yeah. alright okay yeah. everyone's a big Finch fan here right not Finch from American Pie 
Finch, oh. Finch of the director. <laughs> both, both. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah Sparrow. You're massive, saying he's like your massive, he's, yeah, he's no, low key your favourite. Yeah, what it, basically the way the way I describe it, which he's is pretty- <laughs> this this is kind of a bad kind of compliment, but well, yeah, no, the girl the track the dragon tattoo it is one of my favourite films, but virtually when I'll go with the exception of perhaps Alien, I've seen all of his films and um, apart from Panic Room, but basically. All of his films, I just really, really, in particular, The Social Network, Zodiac, and Fight Club, and The Girl Drank Tattoo. I just rate all, like, love them. Yeah. Um, so, so I basically, I just really like, yeah, just like virtually all of his films. And you, Lou, you hadn't known about him doing the. You knew you did The Social Network, right? Uh, no, actually, no. I think I actually referenced in a, on a, on an episode of the podcast a long time ago. <laughs> I remember saying, I love The Social Network, but I have no idea who directed it. So I can't really claim that I did know that. Right. Because <laughs> <Just 'cause> it's, <laughs> do- it's documented. Someone could cross-reference that with an early <laughs> Hey, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, this guy does but amazing think- eyewads, but what the fuck's this about? <laughs> but I think the point I was making then, which I can repeat now, uh, so that I'm consistent and can't be You're accused of being yourself. critical. You're <laughs> yeah, referencing I'm footnoting Louis, Louis yeah. <laughs> um, Is that often... But I come from that kind of like level of being interested in films, but not really being very educated in them so that I can say, oh, I love this film, but not really know who directed it, which is a sort of guilty place to be. And it's definitely changed. But yeah, a lot of his films, well, some of his films, I love, even though I didn't know that he did them. And Fight Club would definitely be, you know, up there. Yeah, you're a big Fight Club fan, B. Uh, Yeah, uh, for years. Um, For me, Fincher has always been interesting. Like... What the fuck is that? Is that Nessie? That's her like auto feeder. I forgot. Fucking roughy going off next to it. Ex Machina. I feel like, well, Fight Club. Yes, although it's a cult film, it's a great film. Did shit at the box office. If you did it, uh, big time. Did it? Yeah, it, famous, it famously like I don't know if it bombed, but it didn't make its money. That's back. kind, of, that, but that's kind wow. of what makes it. That's almost what makes it a cult film. Because yeah. if, yeah. if it had been like super commercially successful when it came out, it just wouldn't have that same. I think I did it. Did it I, I think did it do well critically as well when it. Really. I think it was ahead no. of its. I think it was ahead of its time. I think people felt because, a bit triggered by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because it was it was a social commentary. Spot, I think on, I said this. Spike Lee said that uh, like if your film does bad commercially, then it's gonna. It's going to be good critically. Yeah, yeah. Like it'll go, it'll down go down, down as a something. cult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure. Really? Um, okay. So, Fight Club. Every time you rewatch it, I feel it gets better and better. You just mm. notice a few small, smaller things. Oh, hang on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Penners will be under the table. Though. <laughs> You'll be on the train. <laughs> Your health is linked to the Thames Link timetable, right? Now. <laughs> um, but it does I, get better. It does. What yeah. I find interesting about Fincher, and I'm not sure if this is. Well, it might be with all the directors, but with Fincher, I've seen the most happen is when he's paired with the right team, right writer. For example, yeah. Social Network. It felt like with he Sorkin. was it, he was absolutely the right choice for that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then he was uh, he was meant to do Steve, the Steve Jobs film with Christian Bale as Jobs, and Aaron Sorkin wrote the sc- oh, script that, for oh, it. Yes, yeah, so not yeah. not, the boy, cool. not not the Danny Boyle one, the other one. No, no, no. no. Actually... Danny Boyle stepped in after. Uh, the one with Ashton Kutcher. There's Ashton Kutcher, but the one that Boyle did was with is not with uh, Fastbender. Fastbender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that originally so, was Christian Bale. Christian Bale as Jobs and Fincher, which would have been. Really well, cool, I, would have, I would have liked to have seen that as well. Exactly, yeah. um, because I've, it would have been such much much more interesting take on it. Where Danny Boyle has this 
um, kind of like almost everything's wonderful outlook on, oh, on life. Oh. It's not attacked Danny Boyle. I, yeah. I, I, I like I like Boyle, but, but not Harry favorite. They're very di- him and Finch are very different directors. I mean, it, yeah, it, I guess it just goes to show that Finch is a great choice for certain projects. For sure. Um, Don't well, I keep calling him Finch. Just, like, <laughs> some respect on that. <laughs> um, but Finch is clearly someone else. Overall, I, th- I find his career really interesting because he's not. He doesn't give a shit if he if he's always commercially successful because it's not always the case, right? Um, but he always uh, tries to break the mold just a little bit further. So, for example, in um, Alien Three, Alien Three, yes, <laughs> um, we'll talk about it in a sec. But like, for example, in Panic Room, a lot of those CGI shots, he was, you know, corn. Yeah. Uh, the band corn <laughs> did, yeah. did it later after him, you know. So he did those uh, uh, those intricate CGI scenes that no one would kind of put up with or no one would kind of think of mm. he he kind of did it first definitely I think there's a really we'll get onto it there's a really interesting point with him and CGI I, li- I like his basically I like his approach to film it's now it's never like um, it's always this kind of like although he's not an underdog in any way he's still he's still his films are still met with this kind of like could be good, could be hmm. weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I was t- saying to Sparrow about this. He's not, or each of his films is just, I mean, he's just like each film is pretty much a knockout. The level of filmmaking in each one, for sure, for sure. Generally, what the reception for it is, is, is amazing. And it's like, but it's like, what I mean is it sequentially each film. So, with like, for example, with Benjamin Button, right? You had <laughs> it gets a- better with age. <laughs> Depends which way you look at it. <laughs> um, that had a budget, I think, of like 160 mil, which is huge. And uh, I think he did well commercially. I think he got its money back and stuff. But, you know, he was willing to spend uh, most of that money on just CGI just to make sure. And it no, won. what do you mean he had to? I'm pretty, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. pretty sure he won an Oscar yeah. for it. Should we, talk, should we talk about Alien 3? I feel like oh, we should. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. I feel like we should talk about Alien 3. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think out of everyone here, I, I watched Alien, Aliens, which is Alien, the second one, and this. Yeah. Um, over the last few days and it was really interesting to to see I think we were chatting about this Ben it's like the first Alien is just kind of a stripped back horror film mm. the second Aliens is like almost like an 80s action film in a lot of ways mm. um, and in world building very much ways yes <laughs> yeah which was directed by James Cameron which is really interesting and then Alien 3 it was more kind of end of world kind mm. of uh, like a bit depressing in yeah a it's, way. A, it's the most yeah. bleak yeah, it's dark, the darkest of the franchise personally really enjoyed Aliens I thought Aliens was really great one of the reasons is just because I had no idea that Halo really famous video game that I'm a fan of pulled so much from really from I'm a, from shocked aliens. you didn't know that yeah the, the references are insane I mean even to the point where they like lift characters and lines yeah. from that film into the game what's it the face huggers are kind of aren't they in Halo yeah. or something like yeah, that yeah yeah the flood yeah. There's a lot of stuff that in Halo, but anyway, um, right. So we should mention there's also two cuts of this film. One is the assembly cut, which I think most of us have watched, which is two hours, and then there's no, that's the theatrical cut, and there's the assembly cut, mm. which is two and a half hours, which I think is Finch's version. What does that version. mean? An assembly it's, cut. It's not Finch's version. He bless he he didn't <laughs> he didn't he didn't partake in like putting it together or anything. Uh, it was a, still a studio version essentially. <laughs> But uh, I think it was on the tenth anniversary. anniversary. What does an assembly cut mean? When Fincher first uh, showed his cut to the studio, it was three hours long, oh. and then they were like, "Well, you got to snip half hour." So okay, so that's you know he did that. Come on, Finch, you gotta you gotta be realistic. 
come on, bro. And then, but then they cut another half an hour from yeah, it. Yeah, to essentially what was what uh, one hour fifty or something. One so, hour fifty. Okay. So, so, so the cut that's uh, the cut that's out on Amazon that we watched wasn't. It, it, he's okay with it, but it's not his. It's not yeah, the cut yeah. he would want you to watch of the film. So I was just going to say he would want you to watch the two and a half hour the, cut. No, that's the cut. So the one on Amazon Prime, he's, it's the one he disowned. He's just like fuck this. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. The, yeah, yeah. But but coming back to the point about why they gave the film to a first time director. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? That to some extent is so that the pa- he doesn't really have the power to yeah, insist for sh- on things. For sure, because uh, a big, wasn't a big in director wouldn't allow a studio to it, just do their own cut without any kind of permission from that from him. No, but maybe because it was his first, he didn't really have much of a leg to stand on. Even even with the big directors, not always you get the, uh, the final cut. Like Quentin Tarantino famously got uh, final cut on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm. uh, for with Sony as the distributor, Columbia, I think it was, and that was a big deal. Really? Yeah, it's in- the whole kind of a concept of Final Cut is something that really warrants its own podcast. But it's just interesting to think that you, you know, you're hired to like do a job, and then like the idea that 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 job can be completed is taken away from you. Yeah. And especially with something as creative as making a film, it just feels yeah. a little bit like yeah. Well, also- you're hiring this person so that they can give you their vision, and yeah. therefore once you once you stop that, why hire them in the first place? Well, the thing is with this film uh, was that prior to day. To David Fincher even coming on, there were so many cooks in the kitchen. There was two two directors hired uh, before Fincher. Um, one was on there for like two weeks, one a little longer, who uh. dropped some good ideas. Well, no, I say good ideas. His ideas somewhat stayed in, in Fincher's cut. I think, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like the, Winston, the final Vincent film. Was Ward, like an, I think it was. It's like an amalgamation of right. lots of different people's exactly. inputs. Yeah, so. Um, which goes to explain, it's a, I think, against the other two that are so clear visionary directors. Mm. And obviously, they had the op- they had they clearly had the option to actually fulfill a singular vision. Versus they were this. very indie was- directors as well. Hmm. Yeah. Um, one of them did the Navigator, uh, which was like an indie film, but still much an indie film. You wouldn't hand uh, a whole a whole um, franchise over. But that's because also you know they asked Ridley to come back on. He said no. Uh, Jimbo already moved on. Okay, one thing about Jimbo, he always like. Um, hangs around a project and then he's like yo I'm back with Titanic or you know Avatar or some shit mm. um, I think Aliens for him though made it propelled him right to to go cap- after Titanic yeah what about pro- Terminator yeah that was which one it, the first one or the second one the second one would have would have been after Aliens I think right uh, second a- one came in 92 yeah Aliens was yeah. 87 but yeah the whole the power balance between studio and director that's a whole big topic it's, yeah yeah well, I, I think but I mean like but basically what, what did you guys think of it the film of Alien 3 I, I loved Alien, it Alien Cubes I loved it as much as I loved Extraction I think we may be on a similar page to be honest because it's it's I, it, was, it was okay but I, I, one of the for me one of the things was I just didn't really root for I, I couldn't care less about any of the characters apart from Tywin Lannister and then he gets killed <laughs> off mm, but yeah. um the other thing, the other thing is just on a on a wider thing, and maybe it's because it's part of a franchise. Often with um, I'm trying to think of examples of it, but for example, with Damien Chazelle when we did him, like there's like the seeds of what would later become like trademarks of Chazelle in uh, Guy and Madeline, um, and like mm. with Link later with Slacker and stuff. But mm. with this, it just doesn't really feel that finchery for me, like the kind of grey. Got a little mm. to come back like, to that one. No, I think it's a fair point. I I had a similar th- I had a similar thinking, which was um what trademarks are there of Finch in here and I think in a way the the bleakness a little bit I suppose it do, yeah. is it's, it's less of a visual the attention thing. to detail so I, I don't I don't know the full back catalogue of, um, of Finch but but I think the um, sorry we need to wait for the train swig 
So, so I, I, my, my impression of the film was that it was a, sorry, a piss poor script and a, like a horrible screenplay that was to some extent elevated by just the kind of the attention to detail in the shots in the way that it was, it was filmed. You had these little cutaways that just added to the tension and, you know, like during the, during the surgery, you see these kind of like little squelches of blood and there's so many, um, there's so many unnecessary little attentions to detail that I think heighten it that kind of whatever whatever the scene is trying to communicate you you get in a more interesting way than if you just saw it straight and to, and I don't know an awful lot about Finch but that reminds me of Fight Club and I think being him being nuanced is something we'll come on to I think mm. that it definitely heightened it that you don't just see what's happening you kind of hints of what's happening I watched the assembly cut which is the two and a half hour version yeah and I've, I've seen the, th- the theatrical cut yeah. way 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 back um, and I will say that Alien 3 the assembly cut is Obviously, ton times better. Although it only adds a half hour, it ties up a lot of fucking things. Right. And I would argue that Alien 3 is Fincher's first serial killer film, whose he, he goes on <laughs> to be word. known for. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting take. Mm. That is an interesting take. Um, so I can't remember the theatrical cut because obviously it, it, by this point, it's just kind of fused into one. What I do remember is like a lot of characters just being killed off randomly I was about yeah. to say what you said about tying it up is surprising because for me a lot, almost every single thread that could go somewhere in this film is taken away she gets close with this Lannister guy mm-hmm. yeah. and he ends up getting killed <laughs> yeah. ceremoniously yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, other people that seem to show some sort of interest it, it, at some point it kind of just it kind of like falls into this like well people are just dying right. for like no exactly. not for no reason but they're just kind of being disposed of versus like once they got rid of him I felt like the movie went in a direction that where it just kind of becomes a slaughterhouse, almost yeah, a just little, for the sake of it. A little bit, yeah, because they, they, their connection and their relationship, and also like the first time Ripley's actually had a relationship with someone, because she was sort of like friendly with, with that with the, with Hicks, yeah. yeah. But then Hicks yeah. and Newt were killed off at the start of this film, which a lot of people well, uh, well they weren't even killed off; they were killed off screen, which was even yeah. That kind of I, M- I, Michael Bean had a big issue with that. He, he uh, who, who's it, that? The guy that played Hicks? Hicks, yeah. yeah. Uh, who also played um, in Terminator One? He played uh, Sarah Connor's rescuer. From the future, right? Just, just the thing. Nice. Anyways, um, he when he found out because he found out oh through a friend who was working at uh, at London uh, Pinewood uh, that they saw his his um, foam body or whatever that he he knew he was going to be killed off. <laughs> oh, right. So immediately, That's he a weird get, way to find that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he called his agent. He's like, "Hey, it's me, but take, foam. Take a delivery. Oh, of it's fake me, blood. but foam." He's like, "We're going to sue the bastards," and he's and his agent's like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll sue him." Um, and then <laughs> they're like, "We'll give you money to like you know just be okay with this." He's like, "Nah, fuck it, I'm suing you." And then he still takes the money, but less. <laughs> Wait, no. they, he sued them, so wait, for, he sue for, them for, for, for writing him out. For he wanted to sue him them off. for writing kind of him out, but they were going to pay him uh, to show his body being like killed or whatever. Like they, they, they were going to show it. They were going that to show weird. as much as Newt's character was being showed. You know how the, the little girl was, yeah. right? And then you know they showed a picture of him mm. on on the computer screen. Yeah, that's what he got. <laughs> yeah. That's what he got paid for. You're kidding? Right, because <laughs> yeah. he was on the screen on like a shitty eighties. <laughs> that's so funny. So your thing about it being your thing about it being serial killer, which is what it became known for, is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that, that okay. does. So, a lot of like dispassionate empty deaths in that yeah okay yeah. so uh, in in that cut for sure but in the th- in the extra cut is uh, 
a lot of those characters actually have a, a relationship. Even the guy that it, um, the eighty-five guy, the eighty-five Q, IQ guy, who's yeah, been, right, yeah. Um, that, that also just that bit. It would, I was like, this guy doesn't seem that stupid, and yet everyone yeah, keeps yeah. flogging how stupid he is. <laughs> he's like, he's stupid in a sense because he gives up so quickly. Like he's not obviously these guys are a bunch of killers and that murderers sounds quite and clever rapists. To me, given the film, to be honest, <laughs> um, well, <laughs> they're all going to end. Well, end he did dead. almost. He did almost survive, but who only survived? A fucking a rapist or a murderer whatever yeah yeah that, right. one, that one guy, guy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah yeah who actually helped Ripley oh yeah spoilers by the way yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we take that as red now oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I need to open every episode just make with. the make the title of the pod <laughs> yeah spoilers so the reason why I say it's his kind of first well his first serial killer film mainly because it's his first film but also because these characters in the later version they are way more developed for example Paul McGann's character he actually has an arc there. All of them do. They have this kind of, there's obviously a belief system there that they've been there. They, there's kind of like a camaraderie going on there. Yeah. And that's why they all don't want Ripley there. It's not shake their belief system, yeah. which is not happening. Yeah, there was a big Women kind of there. Yeah, yeah. And then, religious aspect to it that I feel was like yeah. touched on and then. But that's because. Specifically Christian as well. Yeah, because, well, they, they didn't say it's specifically Christian, but it was like... Uh, they don't say it, it was but their, it's oh, They said it, it was like their own version of it, yeah. of it, right? And then, so, Clemens, who's um, played by Charles Dance, who, who you guys talk about yeah. on your nerdy yeah, show. Lannister. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways. Tywin. <laughs> on our show. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I can't remember whether that was did they in that cut did they was it shown that they were being intimate with each other yeah they did it was implied they'd, they'd hooked up it was implied right yeah and then shown what do you mean by shown they were in bed together right 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 he was and getting dressed next to the bed yeah, yeah. What, what do I need to watch in there yeah in, in that cut it's an X-rated cut <laughs> <laughs> um, but it do build up a much more there's a build up of that relationship much more um, and that's why it, they were great they really good chemistry yeah and then you have, so Paul McGann's character also had a, a thing that he wasn't just a crazy lunatic, which I think a theatrical cut made him out to be. Mm, yeah. um, the preacher guy, um, he, he has a much more of a char- uh, character arc there right. as well. So basically there's a lot more kind of... Mm. Absolutely. Right. So it's also in his, in, in that bigger cut, the alien, pick, the way he picks up the victims is much more in a serial killer way. It's mm. not just random, randomly being like, oh, you're dead now, you're dead now. Right. It's much more who gets closer to Ripley. Yeah, that's what... That I felt uh, would, would 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 could have been because she's obviously on. the yeah. the mother to queen. The, that was that was yeah. always very interesting when when Lannister guy died because he wanted to inject, inject her with a cocktail of drugs. Yeah, and, and, it, totally. and it protected her. But yeah. then it was okay. just and the iconic shot where it backs Ripley up against the wall yeah, and then yeah, the head yeah, yeah, comes yeah. near her. But is that arguably less serial killery because it's that there's there's a reason for it. Well, serial she's, killer is some someone who would kill. Uh, in in sequence, yeah, and specifically pick, picking people off for a certain specific reason. Yeah, but a reason that's unintelligible to most people. Whereas, well, protecting mo- the young of your species. To be fair, Lan- and he, what's his name? Lannister guy in the actual film. Charles Dance. Oh, Cle- Clemens. Um, Clemens. Clemens. Yeah. Yeah. Clemens was he was the only person that I think was that other than the fact that people were just near her yeah. and it was it would want to kill yeah. them. I think yeah. there was the only one that like might have had a re- might it might have had a reason. Well, which shows it to be more intelligent than other films, the the actual alien. Obviously here yeah, because she's she has the the queen mother in her stomach. Yeah. Basically Harry Potter. Everything's Harry Potter. Yeah. Are you saying JK Rowling ripped off aliens? I'm saying that aliens JK Ripley. Whoa. Oh. Uh, 
It's about to is be a someone, lawsuit. Is there someone's iWord? <laughs> <laughs> this episode seems to be dotted with great iWords. Yeah. We're going to disappoint when we actually get to it. <laughs> I'm, say, I'm, saying that, I'm saying that in lots of films, there is a trope of um, the hero and the villain being connected in some way. But that's the best kind of heroes. If you look yeah, at yeah. Ba- uh, Batman and Joker. And yeah, Harry Potter is just one example of that. But I feel like you just want to put Harry Potter in there. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I think that the, the idea that they were connected was really interesting one yeah. to throw in. Yeah, because yeah, it someone hasn't been watched, done before. Exactly, to have watched two films before yeah. where it had been very separate. They're not just a random killer. Yeah. yeah. I would definitely say in the assembly cut, it's it's done way better. Everything, I just enjoyed watching it more because it, it didn't had it had the whole narrative being so cut up, jumped up. And then, you know, Bishop's character, I can't remember how much of Bishop's character was in not a lot. Is really, he, the only he, scene is when he, she he's the um she the robot is yeah, when robot. she brings him to life. Which, by the way, that was I mean I sent you guys but that. Didn't it come up in the end as well? Well, the guy that the guy invented, who invented him. him. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like uh, who, who looks like him. I just yeah. wanted to to say the way his ear hangs, like when the guy hits him, it hangs like by the side of his eye. Oh. If nobody well, knows that, you mean at the end? Yeah, it's that's, insane. That's, that, that's the real human being version. Yeah, but it feels like it, that actually felt more androidy than. Yeah, than the right. I didn't notice that. That's weird. Has no, anyone I seen? Don't know why. I have you guys that. seen Dog Die Afternoon? Yes. Yeah. At, at the end of the film, there's a cop in the car who turns around and shoots. I think that's Bishop. Oh, really? I, I haven't looked it up. But Potentially, I, yeah. I think it might yeah, 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 it could yeah, be. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the scene where she brings him, well, she brings Bishop back to life. Um, was amazing like the special effects was incredible really good yeah yeah like I thought that was good shots in that film there's yeah, behind the scenes great. on that one. The behind the scenes was, was was the film. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like the guy filming it, it was like, this more. is just a worse camera angle, but otherwise <laughs> yeah. it's, the exact, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, it's so good. So what any of the uh, directors did not want to repeat was the first two, which was either a small time hor- horror thing or a massive uh, guns blazing thing, which was James Cameron, right? So that's what Vincent Ward, I think, just kind of split, I think, or was maybe four stuff, I can't remember, because he wanted... A wooden ship with full of monks, yeah. where she the EV crashes and then she's kind of <laughs> wooden planet. Yeah, which that, that's a but whole conversation there's itself. Defi- there's definitely a power. There's definitely power. What sounds like power between that that ship with monks to, to what what it ended up being. Essentially, yeah, because yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. has shaved heads and you yeah. know everyone has uh, religious beliefs. Yeah, yeah, religious yeah. Beliefs. So yeah. that was taken, but on a much more like maybe believable way. I agree that towards the end of it, you do get the sense that there's a bigger story there that yeah. you'd like to explore. For most of the film, she's just like, yeah, can you cut up this body? Why? Uh, yeah, sorry. Can I? Yeah, because this is ridiculous that she al- she lands on this planet and, and nobody she... believes in aliens. Look, the fuck. Well, no, no. I, it, it's more she's being really irresponsible. <laughs> she's being so irresponsible, not telling them the reason why she's scared. Also, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know say, why. By she... the way, guys, I might have brought a contagion with me. That was the biggest issue for me for the first half hour. She's been really annoying mm. and coy but about the, the, the Cle- Clemens cat. He 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 saw he saw that coming because he noticed. Cause yeah, he was a clever guy. He knew that sh- there was something else on the ship because there was acidic uh, the acid on the, the acid, side of the ship. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, it's the sign of Shrek you saw." But it but it was not clear why why it was a secret other than for dramatic effect. He was he was asking well, you her could, you could intimately say that what's plays, the reason. And she yeah, wasn't he saying. was like a really nice guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's totally responsible for his death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You say that he's a very nice guy. He's like, um, yeah. So also, you got to remember these cats are. All murderers, yeah. except for like the two guys uh, that run the ship. Reformed murderers. Okay, calm down. Also, um, <laughs> also, when he kept being like, "I think you need another one of my cocktails." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like, "You're a murderer, bro. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. Um, but 
outside of that, you got to understand where you just mentioned uh, her PTSD. There's a there's has to be a bit where she's like she you know she she doesn't want to confront the thing itself. Yeah, the fact that it's here that it's it's back with her. It's kind of she's plagued with it now, yeah. and yeah. then especially when it, the fact that she's been impregnated with one. I always found that weird. It was never is that what we call impregnated? Is that is that is that explained? <laughs> in the, is that explained in the assembly cut? No, it was just like well I have one. Yeah, now. because she also says when that happens like I, how can that be possible? So, so when when they check out the ship, yeah, don't they see that there was like some sort of entry into her cubicle? Yeah, there is a hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a little bit. Of so it could have been that. You saying there was some controversy about killing off those other characters in Alien Two at the beginning? Picks and you. Yeah, because yes, I, I, I don't know if you guys got this vibe. That uh, that beginning bit where they've died really reminded me of Planet of the Apes. Mm. Um, you know when he lands and the the, the rest of the crew's died apart from him. What yeah. Charles Heston version? Yeah, just just the fact that like at the beginning there's like four crew in the ship. Then they all, and then the the other three all died, or maybe two of them died. The reason but. why that was con- controversial, um, obviously because besides it being very dark, um, Alien Suit always alluded to the fact that Ripley, Hicks, and Newt, uh, you know, they go back to Earth and start a family, and then you know, killing them off off screen, off page. Amazon's description of this film. <laughs> Did you see it? It's like the little caption that comes no. underneath the film. It says, "This film starts with oblivion, <laughs> 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 with the death of the." It's like the first thing they talk about. That's just yeah. kind of old and cryptic, because um, it's, it's shown in the title credits, isn't it? When it's yeah. like it cuts to them being deceased. But I want to say yeah. about that. You saying like they don't replace anything? They do replace it with something worse. Clements, a murderer, and uh, a fucking alien inside her. So they replace it with the worst thing possible. Clemens, yeah. I think, but I think he wasn't. He, he, he you he, have he was to remember, he's more still, manslaughter. Yeah, you that hated Clemens. Clemens was a sick guy. I think yeah, Clemens, Clemens did. This is, this is I, I Clemens killed someone, but it was like yeah, yeah, negligence as opposed yeah, to like negligence. actually trying to kill someone. Yeah, but you, you still got to remember that she's basically um, siding with a bunch of cats on this mm. planet that is just four prisoners. So yeah, yeah, um, but she's siding with them against the alien, who admittedly is also a murderer. Admittedly, but, but <laughs> yeah. no, no one's questioning. Technically, a serial killer. If you want to look at it, and that also way. the alien killed the dog, which is way worse. Yeah. This is some John Wick shit right here. <laughs> well, to be fair, I did like that move for the reasons of it. It re- took it its... reinvented Alien again because yeah, it went far. I, yeah. I feel like it wasn't it wasn't that obvious, but it's faster because it fast and it can like go all yeah. kind of three sixty in whatever corridor because it takes over kind of like your DNA. I think it was. We we should um we should talk. We could do a whole podcast just on Alien. I think <laughs> just enough moves to do so isn't that the point of this episode <laughs> <laughs> so after he did Alien 3 I think then he wanted to try a different film that he probably had a bit more control over so strangely I mean looking at it now it's odd but 7 was considered a way smaller film in terms of budget totally yeah scope scale big time yeah, yeah. that doesn't feel odd the yeah third, the third in a mega series thing is well you- no but I guess there's two pretty big actors in it and it's but it's, the thing it's is, not like it's an indie, three, indie three, film. Three big actors. Three big actors, yeah. But but the point yeah. with Alien or four, 3... Or four even, or four, actually. Maybe yeah. five. Alien 3 had Seven. massive sets. We're talking the James Bond stage in, in uh, Pinewood. Yeah. The biggest stage they have. Those sets were all real life. Like, exactly. they were massive. Uh, and this was not even because of David Fincher's fault. This was because of the, the guy previous to him. He's like, yo, go build the set. We're going to start working on this real soon and get, gets, then gets fired. So they were like, we have to kind of like use this now. But I think it's interesting because Seven is such a loved film by so many people. And it's so iconic, you know. The what, what's in the box and, yeah, what's in the box you know what's all these the kind box? of like I just think a, a lot of people see it as a solid it did well commercially it did well cr- like critically but mm. um, yeah. I feel like that that seven was the film that set him on the path of for sure those t- kind it, mm. it's like his tone his style and sure. his kind of like setting I think 
Yeah. Um, I mean, so, I love Seven. I think it's an awesome movie. Detective. <laughs> I think it's just it's just interesting to have done such a huge franchise like Alien Three, which would you know, which I think at the time would have been the equivalent of like doing a Bond film yeah. right now. He came in bold with fresh ideas that everyone wanted, but turned out that they didn't kind of like believe in him enough, so they didn't. They had to kind of butcher the film itself. So with Seven, they still had to like um, I think Pitt took either paid out of his own pocket or took a pay cut to have that what's Bra- in the Brad box Pitt, Brad Pitt wasn't a huge he wasn't no, a no. huge name then as well no, no. and also Brad, Brad Pitt later. and Fincher have gone on to do quite a lot of films together they're like you know the actor director yeah, relationship yeah. there is yeah, massive yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting what Louis said about Alien 3 feeling like that it had like certain details in the shots because I feel like 7 if you're looking at his filmography like in terms of sequentially 7 is where that really came to life because 7 is chock full of details and because yeah. of these 7 sins texture as yeah. well like yeah. you can feel kind the of texture relentless. of the texture but there's just a lot of like there's a lot of detail in that film when you it's rewatch it you realise there's like there's so much stuff that you don't actually see the first time exactly it's something to do with like feeding you feeding you details rather than the whole picture so it doesn't just give you like what's happening on a plate it it's, it shows you tiny little things of what's happening I, think, I was going to imagination to do the rest I think that's interesting because Finch has been known to say that his his kind of approach has is, is been like you know you write a script you know what you want to film you know what you want to do but he's like for me it's about what you don't show yeah. it's what you don't yeah. so look at I see that for yeah. me that's why he's so Hitchcocky because he kind of guides you where he wants what he wants you to see so you're not going to unless you, you're paying attention on the second viewing on the third viewing mm. um, you're still going to only see what he wants you to see so um, with his camera work he's just like that's why the, the close ups and that's why the 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 very many like uh, motifs you know he's only showing you what he wants you to see if he if on the third or whatever watching you you kind of like get ahead of the, of the director great but that's a Hitchcockian trope of like only like pointing the camera where he wants you to see it he is known for doing long takes and he's known for doing extremely long takes that break down actors I feel like it's slightly that I don't know if it's a Kubrick approach where it's like the more takes you do, the more that you stop acting and therefore then you... It's just more real. It's more real, yeah. He was known to do that nine minute long take on Mindhunter 75 times. Well, I, I, I read a quote by by David Fincher where he's like, well, you're paying the actors and I've got them for 10 hours a day. I might as well use them. Jesus. <laughs> um, but And also he's not well, exactly enough. a fan of improvisation. Like he knows exactly how things... Oh, Fincher, Fincher does. Uh, okay. yeah. Fincher does. His also, films are so exact. He though, because he's always locked off as well, isn't he? As in yeah. He locks the shots yeah. off. Yeah. 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 So There's only one handheld shot in, in Social Network. Just a quick one. Whilst I remember you talk about one handheld shot. There's only one actual digital shot in Alien 3. I hope this was in the theatrical cut, but basically, uh, so you know, after the what did he douse the alien in? Um, lead. Oh, lead, lead, and he gets out right. Yeah, and he's like hose, hose it down, right? And then they, they she starts to hose, and there's a quick shot of the alien kind of like breaking a little bit, right? Like uh, across this like the, the head. Mm. That was like it was like a second or two. It was the only uh, VFX shot. Only VFX shot, but it was, wasn't it Oscar nominated for visual effects? That's, alien three. That's the one. But you know that that was pure. What about the alien? Di- purely. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. I feel like because also you see the alien in a stomach. That must be an effect. No, shot. no. Purely digital. Uh, oh okay. right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So yeah. a lot of them was mixed with com- composites <laughs> and it like, paintings. It was a puppet like Jabba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they cast this really weird guy. Bro. 
You're not wrong. It was a puppet. Yeah. No, it was Oscar nominated for, for visual effects. For that one shot, I wonder. I hope not. I, I was going to say, we talked about the power balance between director and studio. That then addresses the power balance between director and actor, right? I don't think it's the same. Well, no, no, no. Of course, it's not the same. But if you see an actor as somebody who... You can choose to see an actor as somebody who completes the work. So, you know, you as a director don't necessarily know what you want it to end up looking like and the direct and the actor brings to a character something you wouldn't expect or you can see an actor as a pawn in your chess game yeah. where you tell them exactly what to what to do how they how to put a face yeah, what to say i mean obviously no one's one or the other but you, it's a spectrum and you and you yeah. you, you choose yeah, where yeah, you yeah. are in it and i think some directors prefer to see their actors as people that they tell what to what to feel and how to act yeah yeah like i think there was a point where he did like um he did a I can't remember which we have a cat on the table right yeah, now. So that was a boom. That was the base. Um, there was a, I can't remember which film, but do you remember like Fincher? This is this is kind of his mentality on this one, I suppose. He he made a, um, an actor go for give or take thirty takes, I think it was. Yeah. And <laughs> he just used the first take. He likes to have a laugh as well. A lot of the acting in his films, and I think this works for, th- for things like Social Network, and weirdly probably works crime, serial killer based stories, which is what he's known for, right? That a lot of the acting can be, I'm not like, it's not robotic, but it can be very, it feels very broken down, and there isn't any kind of added actor life in a lot of the for acting sure. and his stuff. But then Charles Dance wouldn't have done it, surely, if he just felt like he was being directed and had no freedom, because he was a big theatre actor maybe well but he, yeah but i was about i was gonna say i think alien 3 has the most range of acting yeah, in any of his films yeah. it can't have been directed right down to to its micro it, it, it was out of all the films um, finch has done it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't um yeah, yeah as far as far as uh, i know i think charles dance, dance on the documentary was like oh i could have fucking done shakespeare with any of these guys because every, a lot of them were uh shakespeare trained yeah. kind of actors mm. right because of his maybe him being the first film and you know having these massive range of actors who are way more experienced than he is maybe that would have been the only one sure. the thing is he is visual he he is a visual director yeah not in the sense of visual as Zack snyder where he's like slow-mo here you know that kind yeah. of thing he's he's much more like yo i know i want a 35 mil over here and i want you to do it's very this. exact yeah. Very, yeah. his films are very exact the subject of his films is very exact watching him behind the scenes he's very much to his dp he's like okay so we turn the corner here we'll we'll do another shot with an f-stop uh, half an f-stop lower and it's like he knows exactly wow. what he wants like an f-stop lower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i want a 35 <laughs> centimeters away what, from that face one thing, one thing well with his visuals so he does he does locked off shots so he knows exactly what he wants but I've always found uh, it's that kind of like I, I always get it wrong whether it's saturated or unsaturated, but like just kind of grey, yeah, very kind uh, of grim color palette, yeah. and like it is is it is it saturated or unsaturated? Unsaturated. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like well, yeah. quite dull colors. Yeah. But, but that's kind of a sig. Well, that's it's a signature a of him. Yeah. yeah. No, sure. he, a lot of his stuff is very the color feels pulled out of it because the subject matter is quite dark and gritty. Yeah, a lot yeah. Of the time. Yeah. I mean, social social network being one of them, right? Um, I feel I feel like that. For that film, I remember a lot of like the deposition, the position room. Yeah, scenes. with the lawyers. Yeah, 
Um, if you would have invented Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for that one, I feel like, although it's, uh, you feel like this uh, is pretty dull, lit or whatever, I feel like it's it, it was very much alive for the scene that it was going for. It, it was, everything they were kind of talking about in the deposition rooms were very private. And so and so it was darkly lit for that. That also had its own color grade. Whenever it went back to the history of him and Eduardo making Facebook, yeah, that yeah, had yeah. It's also its own style. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was just like a differently filmed and stuff whereas, whereas yeah. in the deposition room everyone was like very purposely talking of him being a visual director he's there are a lot more CG shots in his films than people realise and then what I think is interesting about this is because CG is usually directors usually use CG because it's like I want to, to achieve explode shit yeah I want to achieve something that can't be filmed whereas a lot of what Fincher I think uses CG for not necessarily what you would think is CG so he does a thing where he wants to go through a keyhole yeah. in Panic Room or with Fight Club he pans down the, a bin where all the junk is and that's that is cg achieving a vision of a director versus being like we can't blow this car up for so let's do it in, let's do it in cg fine yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. That, that becomes more for me that becomes more of a visual it's effects question a, it's more of a producer saying we can't afford to do yeah. it for <laughs> yeah let's make the car invisible yeah. but it's also there's, so you say that but in the bts behind the scenes of uh gone girl there's a couple that one is very like small nuance and just like a neighborhood kind of thing. So there's a few shots where he just actually just adds or removes uh, just a few trees in the background. Like you don't have to do that. No one's going to pay attention to a few, a few more, a few less yeah, trees, yeah. right? But that's still what he goes for. He's like, he's, yeah, yeah. T- he's kind of like a decimal Again, point vision. Kubrick, right? I mean, I don't know that much about it's, Kubrick, but he always said that every, what is it, every frame needs to be a, needs to be a perfect painting. Well, as far as I know, apparently if it can be written, it can be filmed. Mm. If it can be thought, yeah, thought or written. It's like everything has to be, yeah, down to it. There was a quote in an Apple... Uh, Apple TV. Apple TV. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Disney Plus, sorry. Apple TV and and Ron Howard. Apple TV Flix plus Prime. (laughs) Apple Prime. Apple Prime. Apple Prime. Apple Prime B. In, like, the first ever commercial for it, there was Ron Howard, I think it was, saying, when you come to a film as a director, you have no idea what it's going to actually end up looking like, and the process is discovering it. And it feels to me like there are kind of, very broadly speaking, these two schools of thought around that. One is, yeah, you you sort of discover it as part of the team and as part of the process, and the other is, I know exactly what I want this to be like, and I'm going to tell you how to achieve it. There's there's only a few kind of, like, directors that really go the school of thought that you just kind of finish it. You put Fincher in, mm. uh, which is interesting because I feel like Nolan. No, Nolan is definitely one of those. Uh, Tarantino's another one of those. He know, for example, for uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, they could uh, they couldn't access the Charles Manson's ranch, so they rebuilt it. I think a lot of it comes down to that quote. Not to bring it to Tarkovsky, but it is like the directors who create who recreate the world, or the directors that create their own world. Yeah, I think for Fincher, all of his films feel like they take place in the same world. Like somehow Seven feels like it takes place in the same world as Mindhunter, yeah. as Fight Club. The fact that you told me that House of Cards was done by Fincher, which I didn't know before this, yeah. before reading yeah, the one yeah, page yeah. of this podcast, it's the same. It's um. So it, wait, are you saying that the guy from Seven, the murderer from Seven, goes on to become fr- Frank in fucking oh, House man, of Cards? You busted my eye. Watch. I'm, seriously, I'm seriously feeling like there's a there's some there's a, a connection between all those films. But it's a coldness. It's a kind of like it, it, it's a coldness yeah. that I it's thought used to be cynicism. the writing. But then you, when you mention it's Fincher, who's connected to Fight Club and to Alien Three, and it's it, there's a kind of just like clinical. And that's why he was such a good choice for Social Network because yeah, like yeah. It, it was a clinical story. Mm. Clinical is a good word there's to describe. There's nothing very human about it. It's actually just quite um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that, I was just going to say that one of the things that he talks about when sh- with shooting his films, like as in what the camera is, is, he for him he he describes the camera as being like 
a bit robotic. He's like, I, I don't want it to feel like it's handheld held by someone. He's like, I want it just the camera to be yeah, clean, clean. And like, it doesn't necessarily need to be something that imposes its own idea on you. Yeah. Threads with his kind of like CG, the way that he achieves CG shots with these odd camera moves that couldn't be achieved in real life, like furthers that idea that it's just like the camera is this yeah. robotic thing and the, the quote I, I found about how he said that he thinks every, like everyone is kind of a pervert and, yeah. and a lot of his films and I just think that kind of sums up a lot of his films like mm-hmm. a lot of his I films agree. are looking behind the door yeah. of people that you wouldn't necessarily want to look behind but you just want you know with Gone Girl it's like you want to know what happened in that mm-hmm. house like you want to know what yeah. happened between them like mm. with Gone Girl I, f- I feel like um, outside of Alien 3 it because it's based on a book, right, by Gillian yeah, Flynn. Yeah. Um, that was his biggest IP that he's ever kind right, of okay. worked with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whereas Social Network is debatable because not everyone cares it's for a public nerd. story that everyone. Chatting, chatting yeah. about Gone Girl does make me think though. Ben Affleck was amazing in that film, and Rosamund Pike. Really does, fantastic. yeah. And Rosamund Pike was amazing. But I, I was just thinking, it really, Brie Fincher really brings out the best in actors in a lot of his films. Mainly because Tyler yeah. Perry. I saw Tyler Perry there, and I was like, that's the best yeah, acting yeah, I've seen yeah. from this guy. And yeah, you know yeah. what? That raises an interesting point around. So, it, you know, we, we, we assume that actors want the freedom to to do it the way they would want to do it. But actually, to some extent, maybe you don't sometimes. If you work sometimes, with someone that yeah, you really yeah. trust, yeah, you yeah. kind of want to be told how to do it because yeah, you learn. But also, we're, we're, I think we've, we've slightly made Fincher out to be like, I mean, I, I don't actually know, but like, like he's like really neurotic really yeah. like no 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 can you, can you can you like raise your eyebrows sort of yeah, thing yeah. like I, maybe, yeah, I don't maybe, think maybe, it's maybe, a, maybe he is doing things again and again and again doesn't necessarily mean you're just doing it until you've got it the way you've imagined it it could just mean let's keep experimenting do you know what yeah, i mean yeah. it's like let's we might discover something if we do it enough times. this kind yeah. of feeds into this but basically on that documentary of alien 3 fincher was talking to ezra i still haven't found his name producer of alien 3 yeah. executive producer and uh it was an out exterior shot and um i'm pretty sure ezra was like can we just make it darker in post to make sure just you know where so we can sh- keep shooting and not tire out the, t- the crew and and the actors he's like and David Fincher on film is just like, if it's blue, we don't shoot. If it's blue, the sky, we don't shoot. <laughs> and wow. I'm like, okay, okay. He's, he, this is like this is his his first feature film, yeah. and he's just kind of like just taking the guy for a walk. Yeah, like no, you know, but I think what we discover about a lot of directors on this podcast is like people that have a vision for something, what whatever kind of vision that is, it, it, when they stick to it, they end up making something that that yeah. ends up being different from everything else, which is surely like extraction. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> on, 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 the, on, that, on that documentary um, about um, Alien Three, do, do you do you see Fincher like on set actually directing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you see him interact with uh, the DP, the actors, especially Ripley a lot, and you also see him kind of almost breaking down at some points. So that's what I mean. Like, watch the documentary if you want to see uh, Fincher on set because yeah. over there, because because obviously now he can just say like no fucking filming of the set, whatever. But back then. You know, it was a big thing. It's a piece of film history, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And because that film was so well documented, yeah, watching him like speak to DPs is it's the most interesting part because like you think he's like his his debut film, but he's talking about like okay, how do we light it here? How many yeah, f stops yeah, yeah. do we push? Yeah. Blah blah blah. Like so technical. He goes so technical with it with his shooting that you're like clearly this, this guy is no novice. Uh, you know, he's been here before. Speaking on the CGI front, I forgot to mention although. Although it's, I guess it's obvious in Social Network because there's the the the, the Winklevi, 
but um, the, it has more VFX shots than Godzilla, the social network. Makes sense, but they, I don't know. Okay, really? does, does anyone know? Okay, God, God, but, but I was going to say, with no, the, with I, the I know, network, yeah, I know it's because of the twins. The Winklevoss, because yeah. they had to CGI their but head. Hang on, yeah, hang on. but there's still, there's a shot. It's still, it's still quite, it's still quite impressive. Tyler's about the usual what way. Else is my there? last name is the same as my brother's. Yeah, yeah. but there, there's a shot in the fucking hallway where the, the, <laughs> you would have invented Facebook. You would have invented Facebook. The two of them are there, and one clearly is not the fucking twin. And I'm like, did you forget? It's the bit where uh, Zach, Zuckerberg, sorry, um, Zuckerberg, 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 Zuckerberg the, Zuck. <laughs> the sucks, uh, meets the Vinkelvoss twins, and he's like, yeah, uh, what are we on close? That's my bro. I'm me, like whatever the name is, and then he's like, that's my brother, and it's we were cle- crew. clearly not him. Like that's not a twin at all. I had to rewind it because I'm like, am I losing it? <laughs> Thinking about Social Network in terms of Fincher, that film is so well paced. But that's Sorkin, I think. I have to say that for Social Network, it is Sorkin because uh, David Fincher sat down with him and timed him of how he wants this film to be writ- uh, shown. <laughs> that sounds right. This is going to be this is going to be two hours and one minute long. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they had to convince the studio they that, that the we can do this <laughs> in about two hours, and he was like, "Yo, okay, sit down." I'm going to time yeah. you. You read me this yeah. Sorkin, script. And it's got about four hours worth of talking <laughs> in, in a two hours. Louis no stranger to Sorkin's writing on the website. Nope. Everyone speaks at like a thousand, a thousand yeah. minutes oh yeah, per second. I love Sorkin's writing. I've, I've seen, yeah. I think I've seen most of his things uh, yeah. that he's done. Recently did a play, actually. Yes, he did. Yeah. He did and he's uh, also uh, got a film coming out. Uh, the, the Trial of Chicago 5, was Chicago 7. Do you guys get the, cam- uh, he's got the, great get the cameo in Social Network of Sorkin? Yeah, yeah. No. When, no, when, 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 so, so he's, the, he's the venture capitalist. When Zuckerberg's like, it's more like a tusk. He, yeah, yeah. Sorkin is, like, is the kind of what investor. Oh, no way. Yeah, that's Sorkin. I mean, I only caught him. Do you give himself any lines? Yeah, well, that he, would he, be the line. He's like, he, yeah, um, he has one line. He's like, what is this? Like, right. yeah. Yeah. he's got like, I, the word. I wonder, they wrote himself a shit line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just give it away. He, he can't be like, okay, walk, and talk. walk and talk with me. Invented Facebook. <laughs> Spyro told me quite that that Victoria, Victoria Secret connection was quite interesting. Well, just oh, yeah. to throw, oh, it's yeah. not really a well, connection. Yeah, well, so, so Justin Timberlake. I, 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 I call it like a. It's a. I think it's like a typical stalking thing. It's. I call it like a boomerang. So later on, um, in the in the social network, there's a big chat between Zuckerberg and just uh, Sean Parker, and it's a classic stalking conversation where, basically, it's a long-winded story, and um, it's a parable. Z- Zucker, Zuckerberg is like, yeah, your your girlfriend's familiar. Then uh, Justin Timberlake tells a whole story of the origin of Victoria's Secret. Mm. And, oh, yeah, and yeah. He's like, oh, my girlfriend's a Victoria's Secret model. But it's dropped in subtly at the very beginning. So when Zuckerberg is dumped by Oka Albright, moaning on, on his blog, and he's like, um, she's, she's actually a 34D bra size. She's getting loads of help from her friends at Victoria's Secret. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, that's like, I think, this is more, more stalk in the picture, but like, it's a cl- I call it a boomerang, where he just like, he just drops it in, like, like a like, kind of irrelevant throwaway line, and mm. then it becomes like, yeah, quite yeah, significant it's, it's later. No mistake. Yeah, yeah, it's no mistake that you that's call, there. You call back to the, to the previous, something happened it's a long time ago. It's called a boomerang, Louis. Okay, yeah, come on, stick with it. Yeah, <laughs> Boomerang, right, sorry. Anyway, this isn't Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> yeah, it's not, the Aaron Sorkin, it's not the Aaron Sorkin podcast. Yeah, Molly's um, game. No, but we always talk about this uh, cinema versus TV thing. I mean, we mentioned it maybe once on the pod at some point. Um, but <laughs> just a bit. I just think it's very interesting that a director that's had so many big, very well-received films in the cinema has made such a big foray into TV with yeah. House of Cards, which I think he kind of somewhat helped put together and, mm. and uh, didn't just pre- direct the first few episodes. And he produced it. Yeah. yeah, he kind of developed it. And also seems like, he seems to have done Mind it like a, maybe he just fancied a change because it's kind of like quite late not late in his career but you know 
it's not like he kind of made Alien three and seven and then went into TV. Yeah, no. it's yeah, like, yeah. But isn't it isn't it also isn't it also say, sensing the change of tide? Yeah, he's still making films. No, I know, I know, but it's yeah, but just, it's not just like diversifying. It's not exclusive. It's, it's not exclusive. It's just you find your, your, your the best platform for the story you want to tell. That's, a story, yeah. that's what I thought was so interesting about Mindhunter was that it was like watching you know one of David Finch's films for like ten Eight hours. hours. Yeah, ten yeah. hours. And that's yeah. what I, I, that's Sounds the great. best example I can think of. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Mindhunter? Uh, no. It's fucking honestly great. It's so good, yeah. and it is like no, watching heard a lot of good things about Seven it. or Fight Club, but as a series. But when which, you say it's insane. like watching a film for ten hours, I'm not entirely yeah. sold. <laughs> I'm really but sorry. This is a film podcast, I'll grow. <laughs> but no, no, I get that. But I just, what my point being is that we always talk about like, oh, you know, cinema experiences. It's just yeah. interesting that that Finch, who's such a huge director, yeah. has made a couple forays into TV, but have actually has been so successful. Yeah, and but one door closes. He's not also not. Ex- he's clearly not being exclusive to uh, you know the theatrical experience, just because because. I mean, he's changed from uh, shooting shooting film to yeah. digital. He's kind of Zodiac sh- was shot on was one of the big first digital. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, he he literally just wants to deal in whatever he's comfortable in, yeah. which is yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is interesting for him to have this massive kind of like uh, creative freedom. You know, jump into Netflix, jump back to cinemas. Have, does anyone? I'm um, I'm leaning towards you here, Benis. Do you have any knowledge on his upcoming film, Mank? Yeah, uh, sure. So it's written uh, by his late father, Howard Jack Fincher. Um, then it yeah, it's cool. It's written by his dad. That is cool, actually. Uh, yeah, I found it the most appealing aspect of the film, like the story of. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, the story itself is uh, it's about um, the fact that so Citizen Kane has uh, always been loaded oh, yeah. loaded to be written by Orson Welles, directed by Orson Welles, and starring Orson Welles. But in the fact, debut work Citizen Kane. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Wait, was that his debut? So I think Kane? so. Yeah, he was like insanely successful. Well, that's like going like, to be the most. That's got to be an episode at twenty. I think it was twenty seven or something. Wait, what 28? the hell? I didn't know that was his first film. Yeah, that's what I mean. He, he had like he like it's, it's like super bad. He he peaked he peaked too soon. No, yeah, he was like just ridiculous. Yeah, it, then he just wanted to do cigar and, commercials. He wrote and starred in Citizen Kane and directed it, and he was like twenty seven or twenty six. Yeah, and, and that's he, he was like one of the best films ever. Yeah, it's not. That's insane. That's like the ultimate directorial debut. Was he a big actor before that or after? Well, he's awesome Wells. I think he's, he's more of a director. He subsequently than an actor. did. No, no, yeah, he's, he's, he was so, he's in like um, he's in the third man and a bunch <laughs> of stuff. But Mank, Mank, which is Fincher's new yeah, film, so is, so is, about is about the screenwriter who wrote Citizen Kane, who apparently actually wrote. Although that's very much discredited because because um, Orson Welles meant because meant apparently the, the, there was a bunch of screenplays that were like there's a right. traction of screenplays. Um, either way, so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see a huge director like Fincher. Let's say kind his of, first film um, was Citizen Kane. You still have to approach it as a period film, which it, for Fincher is the first. He's never done a period film. A lot of his stuff has been set different decades. The whole well, of Zodiac was I can, like 1970s. I, I, don't know. I, mean, I consider yeah, I consider period to be like at least a good 80 years back. The only one perhaps which might be, and I don't know when it's set, is perhaps Benjamin Button. I don't know when that was. Oh, that was 1920s. Yeah, so, yeah. That, so that's period. I think Benis has a point though, because I wouldn't class an '80s film as period. Can't you can't clearly put your finger on it, but I would honestly say like kind of pre-war, like yeah. pre-World yeah, War, yeah, like yeah. 1940s. That film sounds quite interesting, Mank. It'd be cool. Um, cool yeah, to see him. it's out in October on Netflix. I think it'd be cool to just see a actual huge director break down another huge yeah. piece of film history. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of interesting. Meta directing. <laughs> Does everyone have an eye word for Alien Cubed? Who's going first? So, so mine's not. 
to be fair, mine's actually just about Fincher, not about Alien 3. Boo. Okay. Cheating. Cheating. Okay. 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 So, so basically, in a lot of David Fincher's films, as we've just chatted about, they are about serial killers such as, or like TV shows like Mindhunter, Zodiac, Girl of the Dragon Tattoo, um, Seven. And in these characters, for example, Zodiac, they like to taunt the police. So like, they, they'll, they're serial killers, but they'll, they'll kind of, they kind of want to be known. They want attention. They'll play with. Um, so yes, yeah, they kind yeah. of want to play with people. Um, and so basically, this isn't actually a wild theory, but David Fincher is a serial killer. <laughs> it's not a wild theory, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, this is, and his film career is the ultimate, like, kind of... Oh my God, that's brilliant. And he's he's Yeah, by making, like, serial killers. That is genius. This is so meta. Hang on, was with Zodiac, he was about six years old then. How do you explain that one? No, I'm not saying he did. Wait, them, I'm not saying he did the killings in the films, but he just he makes no, films he, about the subject matter. I thought you were saying like he did them at the time. No, 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 no. That's, just, a, just, that's he, a different theory he, altogether. He, he, he just makes films. He makes films in that subject matter just to taunt people. Fair enough. I like it. That's, I like a, that's, it. A, that's, that's a genius. That's interesting. Fucking meta, bro. Do you know he anything about? Do you know anything about his? His? his... Well, when he visit. There's um, <laughs> a lot of dealings. No, I'm not going to prod this theory because it's going to fall apart. There's a, there's a lot of uh, somewhere well, David Fincher is moving to. There's Mexico. a lot of uh, there's a lot of unsolved uh, outside my jurisdiction. There's a lot of unsolved cases, but it is. I mean, yeah, a, a lot of his films are about guys who like who like do like gloat like at their yeah. like kind of yeah. killings. Um, Louis, <laughs> are you going to hit us with a crazy um, shit, bro? Also, as ever, I think the film is a metaphor, um, like everyone else's. And I think this is really a metaphor for the uh, the ongoing debate around whether you believe that incarceration should be for punishment or rehabilitation. Okay. Uh, we touched on it earlier, actually, very briefly, which is, you know, you've got this planet. I saw here. the fire in your eyes when we mentioned that. So, yeah, we've got this planet that is uh, its sole purpose, if I understand right, is to, to house these criminals mm-hmm. who've, uh, who've done awful things. Ultimately, in this film, their comeuppance for the evil things they've done is they get completely eradicated by the contagion. How you feel about that really helps you make your mind up about whether you think these people deserve it, therefore incarceration is just punishment. They they deserve punishment for their crimes. Or you think incarceration is about rehabilitation, i.e., you know, by being reformed through the process of incarceration, they can re-enter society as helpful citizens and productive citizens whose crime should be not forgotten but forgiven. And in which case you would feel Sorry for them for being wiped out by by, by, <laughs> by the alien. So I think by watching this film, you can really decide where you uh, where you land on that issue. The way you're holding your mic while you're talking about this sounds like you're doing a public service announcement. <laughs> yeah, you, you <laughs> sound okay. More... How do you explain Clements though? Because he's a re- he's a reformed. He seems like the one of the more reformed. Well, this is my. Do you believe in reformation? Do you believe that if someone's done something horrific, they... regardless of the alien tearing around? Yeah, yeah. Because well, the alien tearing around makes you makes you decide. Yeah. Because you don't have to decide as long as they're just living on a planet. Happily. Okay, but you, you sound like Dylan from Alien Three, the pre- <laughs> the preacher guy. <laughs> Brothers, we have to believe. Wow. I, thought exactly. meant, I thought you meant. I thought you meant. Don't get me. Don't get me started <laughs> on the role of Christianity in 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 either condemning in or, or redemption. So where do you land on the scale of the rehabilitation? <sighs> it's another podcast. Is that another podcast? <laughs> it's another. Is podcast. It, it's another podcast which we could tease at some point in the future. <laughs> well, potentially. exactly. Exactly. But it's an interesting debate, and it's one that I think gets brought to life in this film. Yeah, I know it's true. Mine is a bit of a weird. <laughs> mine's a bit of a weird theory. Really? Yeah. Never. Do do tell. Do you it doesn't. It doesn't. Was it a dream. It do- <laughs> Classic. She was asleep when it started. Yeah. Well, I kind of had two theories. One of them was that Alien Three was directed by an alien, and the reason for this, <laughs> the reason for this is because 
Well, no, it, was, it was, wasn't Fincher. This is why This is why it's so unusual. Not, it doesn't look like a Fincher film or seem like it's part of Fincher's <laughs> filmography. We just, we just spent Fincher an hour like, saying how it does. I know, I know. Well, okay, these things can be argued <laughs> yeah, many ways. landed in Fincher's back garden. He was like, I'll put my name on it. Well, no, I feel <laughs> like it was, was directed it, by an alien. because it Well, because it. it's so bleak and the humans all lose, it's constantly hunting people the whole time. It, it, it almost feels like there was just a board of aliens that were like, how should this scene go? Should the humans win or should the aliens win? I think it's a unanimous vote that the alien's are going to win in this scene. It's like it's Independence like, Day, but for, for an alien planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a better theory. So essentially, yeah, I feel like um, I feel like this film is is being shown to the alien alien race, being like this this is their form of entertainment. Whereas it. the other two films were much more about the humans winning. Whereas this just feels this like was, they fight back. Yeah, and also I did have another feel- wild theory about. Um, this film is kind of like it's kind of for hairdressers because there's so many people <laughs> oh, right. who are like bald or don't have any hair yeah, in this yeah. film that get killed the and wig, like the, the wig department didn't have much to exactly do. but also like the alien is hairless itself it's like but, an anti-hair film <laughs> in some way would you say like, in, in the same fashion would you say that is this is the same for cash cl- uh, cashier clerks because they have all they all have barcodes uh, oh right because of the barcodes yeah Beep. that's another sure. theory I feel like if you scan the back of Clement's head it's like <laughs> three peppers from Tesco <laughs> discount yeah that's, my, that's mine that's my, mine my theory is a bit I don't know weird like everyone's here uh, but basically I'm I'm going with uh, Gaelic 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 uh, Gaelic yeah, his character, Paul McGann, played by Paul McGann's character. Uh, so basically, Paul McGann's character goes back to Withnail from Withnail and I, and both go on a serious <laughs> bender, which eventually ends ends them up in the prison in Fu- Furiosa, which is a plan. <laughs> Withnail, not having survived, has driven his character, Matt, uh, has driven Gaelic's Paul character, Paul McGann's character, fucking crazy, and thinks that the alien that has come down is fucking Withnail. Has come... <laughs> He's come back to be with him. I demand <laughs> He risked his life to get back with him only to find out that it is not with Nail. It's actually, it's the uncle from with Nail and I that still wants it's to Monty. seduce him. <laughs> that is a wicked theory. That is a wicked Monty theory. Monty impregnated her. <laughs> this was, this has, was I did come up with this on the fly, so no, that this is, is great. that's great. <laughs> we should we should throw back to the Withnail episode where we do mention that Fincher tried to make an unofficial reunion between. Yeah. And didn't tell anyone. McGann. McGann. Yeah, but that actually from... that uh, that does make sense now that McGann thinks that the alien was. Withnail. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But how's that? Wow. Well, this has been thank you, weird David. Doing this in real life. Uh, we should do this again. Sometime. We should do this again in real life sometime. <laughs> we should do this again. Sometime. We should do this again for sure. It's nice to actually share a table with real people and not be... and sweat on it. <laughs> yeah, I, the oh, level God. of sweat yeah. right now. Jesus. Also, feel table. like a train hasn't passed in a while. Purpose? Yeah. I, don't, I think. I, I think the heat is just interfering <laughs> with our hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking that we might end up doing a remote episode again at some point. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. I mean, well, it, we it, can see that it works. We'll, yeah. It, we'll see that it works. So that's all. Yeah, can always really suck if we go. And here we go. If we go to, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it really suck if we go into another lockdown and it's like we then have to go back to yeah. it. It's like the wrong way. So that was <laughs> yeah. a good. Uh, yeah. 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 Hey, remember when we met up after six months? So it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Sparrow. Adios. Goodbye from me. Tara. Goodbye from Banner. <laughs> And it's goodbye from the alien. <laughs> <laughs>